to one roll of footage. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And today with me, a 20-year environmental solutioneer, lifelong seeker, struggling self-actualizer and all-round adrenaline junkie. He's passionate about collaborating to solve big problems. Welcome, Matt Prindeville. Hey, Simon. Great, great to be with you. So cool to have you here. Matt, what are you currently creating? Yeah, so I uh, lead an organization called Upstream, and we help business, nonprofit, and government leaders spark innovative solutions to plastic pollution. And also, we work to help remake consumption patterns so that they work for people and communities and the planet. And so, you know, a lot of people refer to the space that we work in as the circular economy space. Our niche is that we're focused on reuse, and we're not reuse in the way that you think about it, like I'm going to bring my reusable water bottle or coffee cup everywhere, but in developing reusable systems so that the, the burden is not on the individual or on the consumer, but the burden is actually on business to get us the things that we want and need without all the waste. And so, you know, we like to say that we're, we work to make throwaway go away. And we're really focused on, on creating this new reuse economy where businesses get us the things that we want and need without generating any garbage. What's the difference between circular economy, cradle to cradle, and reuse? I love, I love this question. You know, I, I think the circular economy and cradle to cradle, you know, they're often used, uh, they're often used to mean the same thing. You know, we've had lots of different ideas that have been emerged, that have emerged over the last 30 or 40 years around creating an economy that works for people on the planet. And I think cradle to cradle was one of those original ideas. It was popularized by an architect named uh, Williams to hell. And then uh, another architect named Bill McDonough helped to blow up that idea. Uh, that, that was a, a really seminal book in my upbringing as an environmental advocate. Uh, came out in 2002 and described a world where the, the, the economic systems and the businesses that we create and build and the, and the services that we create are enable a thriving planet <laughs> and also enabling, enable thriving humans. And for me, you know, reading this book uh, 20 years ago now, it was a, it was really a radical idea, and that helped to to build on what we now refer to as the circular economy. I think that term has really become popularized in the last uh, five to seven years. Uh, you've got circular economy organizations cropping up all over the world. You've got you know profession. It's becoming a professionalized class now. And, you know, the big, again, the big idea is really just how do we, how do we make sure we're moving away from this linear economic system where we take natural resources from the planet, we make them into stuff, and then we throw them into a landfill or, or we litter them or we, we burn them up in incinerators. And, and also, you know, how do we move away from the overconsumption of the planet that's happening right now? and bring our consumption patterns into you know, circularity, looking at how nature operates and, and what's going to uh, you know, ultimately drive uh, a thriving planet and thriving people. And so the reuse part of that, the reason why reuse is so important is that a lot of the conversations around circularity and the circular economy, they've, they've focused on 
well, we just need to recycle more. <laughs> uh, we just need to get make sure the stuff doesn't end up in the garbage and that we can design it so that it gets in a recycling stream and then we're going to recycle it and we're going to turn that stuff into the products of tomorrow. The problem with, with overly relying on recycling is that there are still significant environmental impacts in the recycling supply chain. And so what I, what I mean by this is let's take the example of a plastic bottle for so, you know, that bottle is typically made from, you know, the byproducts of, of natural gas. Uh, and you, you know, you, you have to drill for that gas, you have to pipe or ship that gas somewhere where it can be refined, you've got to make it into plastic, you got to get plastic pellets, and then you mold those pellets into a bottle, you fill that bottle with Coca Cola, and you sh ship it somewhere far away. Then if that bottle gets into the optimum system, which we, you know, doesn't get in the environment, doesn't get in the garbage, it goes into a recycling supply chain, it starts another journey <laughs> where it has to be transported, it has to be, you know, again, uh, broken down, it's got to be rebuilt into something else. And typically what happens is, is it doesn't actually get recycled into the product of, that's the same value. It often gets just downcycled. You might turn that bottle into a park bench or a piece of carpet, get one more use out of it, and then it's off to the landfill. And so, you know, it, it also doesn't address kind of the, the, the overconsumption issues that we have from the planet. Like right now, human beings all around the world deserve to have a modern and decent standard of living. But we can't do that if we're if we're basing it on this linear economy and if we're relying on things like recycling uh, to provide that decent standard of living. And so reuse is so exciting because instead of creating that bottle and getting it into a recycling supply chain, now imagine that we're creating a reusable bottle. And instead of just getting one use out of that bottle, we are now getting 20, 30, 50, 100 uses out of that bottle. And so, you know, you know, pretty much the same amount of material, maybe a little more to make it more durable. But now we're cycling that. And, and the other thing that we're, we're doing is instead of these big, long global supply chains for materials, now we're shrinking those supply chains down into regional service models. So that that bottle, that refillable bottle of Coca-Cola, instead of like, you know, making these big trips to a recycling facility and getting broken down and recreated and all this stuff, that bottle is now it's now cycling within a, you know, 10 to 100 mile radius of, of where it's being used, consumed and then washed, sanitized and refilled. And so that's really the, the world that we're working to create. And we can do it with not just uh, bottles for Coca-Cola or beers or, or things like that. We can do it with to-go containers for all the takeout food that we love and, 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 and coffee cups for all the coffee we like to take on the go. And we can do it with, with personal care products, shampoo, cleaning products, you know, uh, snack, snack food. You know, we can build reusable packaging systems and create convenient ways for consumers to get get those uh, to get it back into these supply chains, and then have them wa collected, washed, sanitized, restocked, and put back out into commerce. What's the hardest part right now in building this this beautiful business? Uh, you know, I, I would say the, the the hardest part is. You know, the, the, the interesting thing is that a lot of the conversations around this reuse economy, they're actually happening at a very high level. So, you know, this is not yet something that is that is really universal across, um, you know, cultures and universal across, you know, your everyday citizen and consumer. Um, most of the of our most citizens and consumers around the world are concerned about the planet. 
And many of them are concerned about things like plastic pollution and waste and, and climate change and all of these kind of big picture environmental issues. You know, when people, th most people think about reuse, they think about it in terms of my individual behavior. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I bring my reusable water bottle and so on. The I idea have bad of news, Matt. I have bad news. Yesterday, I saw a poll, just the U.S., but I think it's representative. Yeah. What's on people's minds right now? Yeah. So, thirty-three percent inflation, twenty-five percent gas prices, food prices, energy prices. You got it. Then you have a long list of 5%, 3%, and then comes 1% environmental issues. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I think I think this is this is the it's one of the defining challenges that we're in today is that we you know we have this these I, I think of these two giant environmental problems. One is climate change. The other is overconsumption. And so, and, and overconsumption drives climate change. <laughs> and so when we think about that, you know, we've got, you know, you know, seven and a half billion people and growing on this planet, everybody wants to have a decent standard of life, but we can't build <laughs> a decent standard of life for seven and a half billion people and growing on, on the way that, with the way that we're doing things. And so unfortunately we have all this instability in the world, right? Because if we had more stability, it's easier to solve these big picture pressing problems. It's like, there's all these fires cropping up all over the place between, you know, the Russia and the war in Ukraine and, and uh, you know, inflation and the pandemic and all of these things that are, that are in, in the decline in democracy and the rise of authoritarianism. And there's all of these things which feel very, um, immediate and and they are immediate but unfortunately that's getting in the way of us being able as as a species to solve these major environmental problems that that aren't they're not going they're, they're just getting more and more important as time goes on and so the thing that gives me hope in all this is that even though these the everyday citizen and everyday consumer isn't yet fully aware of, of the potential of the circular economy and the potential for reuse systems and services many businesses are and we, i've seen a big shift in big business on the food service and the, the consumer goods uh, and on the beverage side in recognizing that that more recycling in and of itself is not going to lead to their goal their environment sustainability and, and governance goals like they're going to need to be they're going to need to develop these reusable systems and, and the good news is that we know how to do this <laughs> you know we've done this before and actually we're doing it at scale right now in um you know AB InBev, which is the biggest beer company in the world, they sell roughly 32% of their of their products in refillable bottles. Uh, Coca-Cola, biggest soda company in the world, they sell roughly 20% of their products today um, in, in refillable bottles. And so, you know, you look at different countries around the world, um, many parts of the world, you know, between 30 and 80% of the beer and the wine and the soda is sold in refillables. And so what we want to do is we want to expand that not just to beverage, but to other sectors as well, Cons consumable product sectors. You know, we're not talking about the, the cardboard that your couch comes in uh, when it gets delivered or anything like that. We're talking about, you know, consumable products, the stuff that you, the packaging that you see in your garbage, in your recycling bin, even in your composting bin, we want to shift more of that over to reusable packaging because of the environmental benefits and also because of the economic benefits. And this is where it might be exciting to list for some of the business folks that they're in your audience. 
you know, I mean, I'm an environmentalist, I'm in, I'm in this for the planet, but what's exciting for business is that you are able at scale to actually get uh, cost savings. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Like one, if you, if you have, if you have 25 bottles that can be replaced by one bottle <laughs> that keeps getting cycled in a service model that, that can save money. And so, you know, that's the exciting thing. And we've got all kinds of data that shows that. And especially for, for supply chains is another thing that's exciting for business is that the big issue today for a lot of businesses is supply, is, is supply. They can't get the materials or the pro of, of things that they need in order to get their products to market. Well, reusable packaging is an inherently more resilient system than single-use packaging because you've created that bottle. It's in a local service. You've created that container. It's in a local service model. And we're seeing some companies that are starting to embrace reusable, refillable packaging in part because of the supply chain issues around single-use packaging. I love your model because it's the toughest situation when you don't have the when it's not top of mind for for the user right and it's not the, their hardest problem at hand but it's the best for them so it's not what they ask for but it's what they need this is usually yeah. the hardest the hardest yeah. situation and you have find you have found a strategy which i think is a genius strategy because when you can do any of that you can go either by lowering costs and hey you will have a better supply chain costs etc smoother production but then the, the next genius thing is to raise their status. So if you do this, you enter the club that you always wanted to enter. Yeah. And this is what you came up with. And I, I'm so excited that we can share it here after one word from our sponsors. What if your business would run well, even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategies Prints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategies Prints method. Order your copy of Strategies Prints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com. you have found a way to raise their status if they decide for your offer by creating an award can you unpack that yeah yeah so you know uh, a couple of years ago my uh my coo and i were sitting on my back porch and and uh you know we had we came up with this crazy idea we said you know we want to elevate the profile of this reuse sector um, and what I mean by that is there, it's not just the big companies that are looking at how to, to do reuse. You have a lot of innovators. You have a lot of new innovative, what we call reuse service companies that are coming in to provide services to do reusable foodware or reusable packaging. And so, you know, just to give you an example, uh, you know, there are companies that can go to venues. So one of the big things that at like large scale venues, concert halls, uh, sports stadiums and things like that is that they plow through a lot of plastic beer cups, right? And, you know, with all the attention paid on single use plastic, some of the owners of these venues are, are rethinking, you know, 
that that strategy because there's so many cups to clean up, there's so much cups that go in the garbage. And so there are re, there are reuse service companies that can go to um, a venue and they can say, hey, you guys are you, you know going through a hundred thousand plastic beer cups for one ball game. Uh, we can provide you you know reusable cups that we will collect and we will wash either on site or close by. And you know it's going it, to the price point will be similar or cost comparable to the, all the single use plastic cups that you're using. And you should do this because it's not only good for the environment, but you know we think that this is also going to be good for business and that your customers are you know it's a much better experience to drink beer out of a reusable cup than a than a, sing, than a single use cup and et cetera, et cetera. So and that's so, work for them, right? The cleaning up. That's right. That's right. That's right. And and so what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a an award show that really helps to spot shine the spotlight on companies like this that are innovating our way out of these kind of single use uh, packaging problems. And not just the innovators, but we also wanted to highlight uh, the activists and the policymakers and the leaders that are really also helping to do things like pass public policy and build out the infrastructure that we need for for all these things. So it's not just big companies and reuse service companies. It's also you know the 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 the, the, the community activists and the people that that we need to help build out the infrastructure to help all this stuff scale. And so anyway, we, 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 we call it the reusies. Uh, we were kind of thinking it's the Oscars for reuse uh, or the Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival. I know we've got a European audience here for reuse. And, and we wanted to um, you know, highlight these innovators, uh, you know, uh, provide them with, with an award that they can spotlight and, and show that, that you know, they're helping to change the world. And, and, and we want to recognize that. And we, we teamed up with um, the biggest uh, impact investing venture capital space in venture capital company in the in the in the United States that's focused on the circular economy they're called closed loop partners they've been such great partners for us uh, we've also teamed up with with other amplifying partners like the World Economic Forum uh, World Wildlife Fund uh, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and others to spread the word and to participate as judges to really help evaluate you know what who are the most innovative companies and what are the most exciting initiatives that are going on at at, at, a, at, a, at a community level all, all the way up to big corporate levels um, so we're really excited about it and you can find out more information at, at the reuses.org that's the r e u s i e s.org um, and the show is going to happen on September 29th this year and it's free so we'd love for you to love for you to come check it out is it an online event or in, in which city does it take place yeah it's a, it's an online event and um, you know we're looking at doing it in person next year we did it online last year for obvious reasons and we're gonna we're gonna do it online this year just because we want to make sure that it happens um, but but I think next year as hopefully as things start to smooth out uh, more fully with the pandemic we'll be able to, to host it in person oh that's beautiful and how can people listening you know we have business owners listening here how can they yep. contribute apply support sponsor how can they chip in love it love it yeah if you want if you want to find out more information about this work in general um you can go to upstreamsolutions.org so that's upstream like paddling upstream solutions with with an s at the end.org and you know you can find all kinds of information about the new reuse economy and reuse as it relates to the circular economy there um, you know, we think that for 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 businesses that are that are that are uh, focused on food service or beverage or consumer goods, 
there's a wealth of information uh, as well as ways to get involved in changing your uh, packaging or the foodware that you're using from single use to reuse. And we have a lot, we have some tools that, that business owners can also use to evaluate their, their single use footprint and begin to make so uh, begin to understand the, the economic benefits as well as the environmental benefits of transitioning from single use to reuse. Uh, and so you can find all that information out uh, on our on our website. Uh, you're welcome uh, to connect with me, Matt, Matt Prindeville on LinkedIn, um, as well as, uh, you know, I think that's probably the best way to get more information. You can also use the info at, at Upstream if you go to our website, you can't find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can find more information there. But there's a there's a lot of different ways that business owners can get involved, especially if you're on the you know if you run a business that's focused around food service or around beverage or around consumer packaged goods. Um, the other sectors that that are that are that are going to be impacted and potentially could have some opportunity here. It's also the the waste hauling and recycling sector. So a big part of what we want is for the the waste management sector. Uh, and the recycling sector to retool around reuse. And so some of this means that you, you might have a, a big recycling facility that's accepting a lot of different materials. How can you also have that facility accept reusable containers? What are the things that you need to do to, in, you know, to create uh, the types of, of uh, situations where you can also sort the reusable containers out and then participate in the kind of washing and, and refilling. We think that there's going to be a huge market in the future uh, for washing and refill, sanitizing and then refilling uh, uh, consumable products. And so, you know, I think those are the, the big opportunities here as we look at this new reuse economy. Usually I ask the guest for the strategy award nominee. So they have to pick somebody who's doing things right, but they zig while everybody's zagging. This time, I will not ask you. People have to come to the 29th of September. They have to come and hear it there. Who are yeah. your award picks? And I will be there. So Fantastic. What, what I want to ask you now is who inspires you? Where do you take the energy to, you know, to execute on your purpose? Yeah, you know... Um... I know that she's she's gained a tremendous amount of uh, notoriety in the last several years, uh, especially here in the United States. But there is a uh, a researcher who um, who who became famous through her TED talk, and her name is Brene Brown, and she really focuses on um, the the psychological and relational aspects of leadership. And that her work has profoundly influenced me over the last several years, because, you know, I think as leaders, we often think like it's all about results and accountability and, and you know, driving to, to getting the job done. But the way that we do that, I think a lot of leaders, you know, we have a lot of energy, you know, we, 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 we have a lot of things that we want to do. Oftentimes we drive ourselves and we drive our teams to the, to the breaking point. Uh, and and we're not thinking about the you know the human costs of of achieving, and I think one of the things that I've really been trying to focus on, especially over the last several years, with all the disruption around the pandemic and and you know try, and and even having to reorganize and rethink how we do things at Upstream, has been how to achieve with equanimity, right? Like that's that's a very powerful idea. Like how do we achieve with equanimity? How do we also not just do that for ourselves, but how do we help our teams? Um, achieve with e equanimity? How do we create, you know, safe cultural uh, spaces for our teams to thrive? 
and for us to help you know coach and bring up um, folks that aren't performing maybe at the level that we want as CEOs. And and so you know to me, uh, Brene Brown's been an incredibly inspirational leader. Uh, she the she has a podcast called the Dare to Lead podcast. Um, where she interviews all kinds of different people, uh, uh, and you get lots of different perspectives on on kind of the more relational, uh, you know, le- leading from from a place of, of 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 vulnerability, recognizing that vulnerability can actually be a strength and a superpower. Um, you know, these are things that I've had to learn over the last several years, and they've they've dramatically improved my ability to as a leader. And so, when we say equanimity, do you mean? that we are not attached to the outcome. We give everything, but we are not attached to the outcome, just to the process. No, I don't think I don't think I mean that. Um, I, I think, you know, outcomes are important, obviously, uh, you know, I, but I think that it, it's about like, how do we ensure that we are are emotionally centered and grounded? How do we ensure that, you know, the the organizations that we lead and the way that we lead um, that we're doing that from a place of we want to accomplish things, but we want to have happy, grounded people that aren't burning out like that, you know, and, and happy, healthy, grounded teams that are being effective in working with each other. And so it's not to say, you know, let's just focus on the process. But I think if you do focus more on the process, <laughs> the outcomes will follow. You know, I think that's something else that I've had to learn is that, you know, if we can design good processes and good systems and create a great culture, um, and, and I'm, I'm saying this, you know, not like, like I've done it. I just want to be clear to, to the folks that are listening. I'm doing it. Like it's, a, it's an ongoing process. I'm, on, I'm constantly learning. I, even this week, I just had some moments where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that again. You know, so, you know, that part of that, that equanimity is also being kind to yourself. I think, you know, really driven people, sometimes we are driven because we have, you know, we have a judge in our head that's that's constantly criticizing you know poor anything that we perceive of as poor performance and that can get us that can certainly get us to success it has gotten me to success but it's also come with a lot of cost and i think as i get older and the, and the more that i i really want to you know sink into you know being a better leader and enjoying my life as much as possible that piece about how do i actually lead with equanimity how do i how do i you know, keep my eye on the prize around results, but also, you know, let, you know, let go of the results, trust the, trust the process, trust what I'm doing, trust that I'm showing up every day and doing the best that I can. And how do I help my team, um, you know, operate in the same way? I love this. And I think this is somebody that everybody listening here, including myself is exploring and is, is, is trying to get better at. So please keep us informed what you find on the way. (laughs) And I'm going to definitely check again. I bought all her audiobooks, but I think I never listened to them. So I just made a note to myself, re-listen, listen to Brittany Brown. Re-listen. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> there's, a of, there's a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good stuff in there. And I think, you know, I mean, our, our, our generation, it's, a, it's definitely a different generation than our parents' generation and even the people that were our bosses when we started our careers, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that what the, what the moment and, and also what this younger generation is asking too, because I've got, we've got young people on our team and, 
you know, they're asking for a more relational way of, of working. Like they don't want to just be told what to do and, and, you know, go do it. And, you know, we'll, we'll check in on, you know, on your results. Like they really want people to care about them, to, to, to support them, to teach them, to coach them. And, you know, this has been a, a recent learning for me, you know, I mean, as a, as a leader, obviously I've got, you know, multiple roles, but for me, you know, as a nonprofit leader, fundraising is paramount. <laughs> you know, the next is kind of VIP relationship building and, and profile raising, uh, you know, in our in strategically important audiences. And um, the third, I do a ton of content creation like you, Simon. I've got a podcast and I, I'm writing all the time and I'm doing a lot of thought leadership. That's part of, of what the organization is about. It's, 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 you know, thought leadership and I'm providing a lot of that and the, and the team, you know, leading the team is, is really that fourth bucket. And I, I recognized recently that I was overly focused on the first three and that I really had, had kind of, I, I'd, I'd taken my focus off my people. And I think this is another, you know, getting to one of the other questions that, that you connected with about, you know, what, um, you know, is there anything, you know, <laughs> that I've recently ch changed my mind about? It's really been to refocus on my people, and 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 some of that has actually meant that I've had to do some make some difficult decisions <laughs> that I've been putting off around you know reorganizing people within the organization, reorganizing teams. Um, when I really started to pay attention to people and culture, you know that's uh, that's caused me to rethink about how I, I'm structuring the organization and you know where I need to move people and what what are the kinds of people I also need to bring in to to accomplish the results that I want to and also to build the team that's operating with the culture that I want. Um, and so that's been a that's been a tough lesson. <laughs> Tell us about the Indisposable podcast, because everybody who's listening right now likes podcasts. So who is it for? Yeah. What, they, what can they expect? Yeah, I lo love that. So, you know, we started the Indisposable podcast about uh, two and a half years ago. We're actually coming up on our hundredth episode. I know as a podcaster, that's got to be ex exciting for you as well. Um, and, you know, at the time that we started it, it was the the only podcast in the world that was focused on solutions to plastic pollution. And, you know, over time, you know, we've really, we've really evolved it to focus on, on the new reuse economy, but it, 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 for, for so, uh, for the, for the target audience, we have kind of, it's really upstream's audience in many ways. So it's business, nonprofit and government leaders that are interested in the circular economy, interested in circularity, zero waste, and this, and this new reuse economy idea. And so we have, you know, everything from, you know, the innovators that I mentioned to, you know, the sustainability officers for corporations that are working on reuse to other NGOs, to the government leaders that are, that are figuring it out, to consultants that are, you know, building thriving businesses in the sector, uh, to, you know, activists and kids and, you know, every, everything in between. And so, it's a fun and interesting podcast. There's definitely something for everybody there, and, and we'd love to have you check it out. You can you can check out the Indisposable podcast wherever you like to listen. You have a new follower, and I guess I'm not the only one. So you will you will hear our feedback soon in the reviews. Oh, great, love it. Thank you, Matt Prindeville, for sharing your wisdom, your journey, and your offers with us. Uh, Matt, who should be my next guest? Oh yeah, great question. Um, you know, I was thinking about that when I when I saw the, the the prep notes here. I mean, 
you know, if you're interested in, in, in checking out one of these reuse service companies, uh, I, I think that, that, that there's just so many interesting CEOs and entrepreneurs that have emerged from the space in, in, in the last years. Also, there's plenty of them in Europe, not just in the United States. Um, you know, there's one uh, CEO that, that, that we've worked closely with that I think is really doing a remarkable job. And this is the, the cups at events, I, that, that example that I used about reusable cups um, at events. So not only is that that's kind of the anchor part of, of, of the business that the company is called R Cup and the leader is called Michael Martin. And he's an interesting guy because he he kind of started uh, as an investment banker and he moved into the sustainability space around uh, greening concerts and greening uh, uh, events. And um, he's worked with some of the biggest artists in the world uh, through that, you know, the Rolling Stones and U2 and Mumford and Sons and so on. And so, you know, one of the biggest complaints from the artists was all the throwaway beer cups. <laughs> and so he was like, I think I can I can I can solve that problem. And and he created a company around it. And then he's realized that in, in developing the company that they can also branch into lots of other reusable uh, packaging. So reusable to go containers and, and, and foodware and things like that. And so uh, they've recently uh, won a, a big contract in the city of Seattle um, to develop uh, a reusable uh, packaging system around cups and to go containers and really interesting company. And, and Mike's a, an interesting guy to, 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 to connect with. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Matt, so much for being here. Where can people find you the quickest way? Yeah, quickest way is just check me out on LinkedIn. Um, at, yeah, I'm at Matt Prindeville, uh, P-R-I-N-D-I-V-I-L-L-E on, on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, you can also you know ch check us out at, at upstreamsolutions.org. Uh, if you're interested in, in, in just staying staying uh, up to speed on this new reuse economy as it starts to emerge and grow, I would highly recommend that you sign up for our email list. You can just go to our website and it'll prompt you pretty much as you start scrolling to sign up for our email newsletter. We send one email a week. We are, we are cognizant not to spam people. Uh, and, and basically, it's just chock full of information. It's got our latest podcast. It's got our latest vlog and blog. It's got any news that's happened that week, any reports or fact sheets that are being released, not just by us, but by others. And so if you're in, interested in the space, you know, that's definitely the best way to stay on top of everything. And, and then, uh, you know, for me personally, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And the 29th, we want to be part of your award event. Where do we find it? 29th yeah, September. So if yeah, so if you go to the reuses.org, and that's T H E R E U S I E S dot org, uh, you can you can sign up right there. You know, all, it's very simple because it's an online event. All you need to do is submit your email, and uh, and then uh, w all the details will follow. We'll send you follow up emails and reminder emails, and we'll get it on your calendar and everything else. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us, and please keep rolling, Matt. Yeah, thanks so much, Simon. Such a great, such a. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprints method. 
Order your copy of Strategy Sprints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategysprints.com.